0: Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. So if you are just joining us tonight, or if you're joining us live on Facebook or listening in on our podcasts, in this home we have a mother and a father. We don't have the typical church structure where there's pastor... The pastors that run it all, we have a family that operates together that walks out kingdom on earth through the structure of family. And so we have a mother and a father who we get to experience and hear about and dive into and go on a little adventure tonight. The word came tonight about discovering who they are. So picture yourself tonight as we are going through the evening learning about our spiritual parents, the mother and father of this region, kind of on an adventure. You're looking for treasure and there is treasure to be found within them. And so um does everybody see my pink kiss on my cheek? Yeah. I just I just want to say expect these more often because we have a mom who is tapping into The emotional side of walking as a Hebrew that is, like, amazing and scary. But everything she walks in, I walk in. So I'm a little nervous because I usually have it all together and I don't show emotion. So I'm a little nervous to be loving on people. But it's coming for this family because that's how it works in this family. They lead the way. They carve the way. They walk ahead and um, make room for us. So what is so cool about this family is... Because we have gotten outside of religion where religion taught us for so long that, like, the pastor has it all together. They kind of do their thing behind closed doors, right? Like, this is completely different. In a family, we have a mother and father who are bringing their lives in front of us. So on family night, which is tonight, get together, have fun, have dinner. But at the dinner table, there is strategy released. In the spirit... At the table is where Yahweh releases strategy to his sons and daughters. And so tonight, as a family, we get to have strategy released over us to see where they've come from, where they've been, who they've been, what they've walked through, and where they are now. Are you ready to come up, Mom and Dad? We are ready for you. We're going to try and make it quick so that we can get going, because I'm sure there is a ton to dispense tonight tonight. So we honor you guys for all that you've walked in. I'm bummed that I can't share like 20 years of stories, but we're ready.
1: (laughs) You could. could. Did you guys see our fun facts? Wait. They didn't read them yet. Well, what's really cool is because some people were reading it, we've met... Uh, Or I should say, I've met two homegirls from Chicago. (laughs) So uh, D, wave over there, Kendra's friend, she just moved here from Chicago, and then she lived in Chicago, and I was born in Chicago, so it's kind of cool when we just kind of find one another in Flagstaff. (laughs) But can you guys read Dad's handwriting? Okay. Did you guys know that Padrino was born in Germany? You didn't know that. You did know that. <laughs> Fulda, Germany, and lived there for, for, oh, three years. Then moved to Sierra Vista, lived there his whole life till he went to Tucson, and then that's where we met. Uh, he was fluent in Japanese. Did you guys know that? He went to school for. Uh, he got a minor in Japanese, and he used to write me love letters on my dorm mirror in um what do you you call it Japanese (laughs) the the character kanji kanji I thought there was a word it's a cool word he would write to me in kanji and I hate have to obviously interpret it because I did not understand the characters at all just like you guys are probably like I do not understand these Hebrew letters at all (laughs) oh watch out for the red Uh, He ultimately wanted to be in the automotive industry in Japan, so we were supposed to move uh, internationally after college. That was the dream. And eventually be a race car driver. Do you guys know that? Uh, He was joking about his high school because he was trying to match mine. (laughs) So I don't want to read my own because then I'm... Okay. He got a 3.2 GPA... And was 432 in his class of a 1,000.
2: <laughs> Just played the middle.
1: Here's a cool fact. Probably nobody knows. How much is a, uh, Crystal, how much is a men's haircut? Okay, 20. But maybe 10 years ago, not so much. Maybe 15. 10? So $15 on average for 17 years, once a week, 52 weeks. He has saved over $30. Thir- $13,000 by doing his own hair. <laughs>
2: Just a little financial tip for you guys.
1: When we were thinking about doing fun facts, he came up with that one. <laughs> <Definitely fun.
2: laughs> All right, so I, mom. I guess
1: I shouldn't have said fun facts. I should have said interesting facts. We could yeah. do a fun facts one.
2: Mom trained with a pro MMA. UFC kickboxer. So she's got hands. Don't, don't get involved like For that.
1: three years, and if you want to look him up, his name was Santino. Did you say Olympian? Professional Olympian MMA fighter. He was here in... Oh, uh, I
2: didn't know he was an Olympian.
1: Well, I didn't know either. What is that? <laughs> I
2: don't know who wrote that. People are adding to our facts.
1: Anyways, three years. She also
2: trained for the 1996 Olympics in gymnastics. A lot of people don't know
1: that. So I was going to be training because once I got to level 10, uh, the next step was to go into the Olympics, but they wanted me to be homeschooled, quit high school, and do it full-time, and I didn't feel like I wanted to lose the high school experience, so I quit and then ended up doing some other things.
2: She was born in Chicago.
1: But I did one one state for level five. (laughs) (laughs) A state all-around Arizona (laughs) gymnast.
2: She could probably still bust out some lips or something maybe she wanted to be a periodontist she wanted to go to school do periodontology
1: we were ultimately if we lived our dream we were going to be in dc and i was going to be going to howard uh university and getting my dental degree and then after that we would transfer to japan and he would do his thing
2: yeah her high school gpa she was number nine out of 900 and she got a 4.2 i don't even
1: isn't lame. I mean, no? not that. Four point, I was fighting for valedictorian. Four point two, and I was ninth. We had a bunch of nerds in our class, apparently.
2: <laughs> Good stuff.
1: All right, dad's going to release some groundwork before we get into these questions. What got into you guys with these questions? Most of the time, it's like, I don't even know what the questions are. These are intense and if anyone knows our, level, our mode of communication over Voxer, everyone heard my emotion and what was getting stirred up at the humility of wanting to be known because the more you guys want to know our story, it forces us and pulls out things out of us that we don't talk about. The analogy that I think, who was it, Jason? Amber? I don't know. Somebody gave an analogy about vets. You, Sally? Sally? I don't know. If you ever meet a vet who's been through some things, they don't they don't naturally just release their story. They will not talk about it unless you are willing to dive into it with them, understand the trauma, walk them through it. They just don't naturally do that. And so not that we're necessarily acquitting ourselves as vets, but in the spirit, if you're fighting for others' freedom, there's an aspect of trauma when you're forerunning a new thing. The mockery and all of that that happens when you leave man's tradition and you decide to follow Yahweh, there's some trauma and there's some battles. and so And we never talk about them. We just don't talk about them. We don't release them. Not that we're not transparent and we don't open, but we have not been until recently with a family and a company mature enough to be able to handle some of the level of those things because they now know that when you know about our stories, you will walk out those stories to a greater degree. Does that make sense? So vets don't usually talk about that because usually they're talking to a generation that could potentially be entitled and say, you, you know, they don't, under, they don't understand the fight, but yet we're going to keep going around the mountain if that generation doesn't learn how to fight, but they're not willing to learn from a vet. Make sense? So, there you go.
2: Yeah, so what's powerful about these family meetings and what they're turning into, right, started out as just a family conversation, but the questions are getting so, like, refined in a sense that what I feel like is a huge level of encouragement because... If you look at Kingdom Heirs and what we're after, we've always been about the process and not the final result. And we can tell by the level of questions and the level of detail in the questions that people want to know the process of how we got to the place that we're at right now. And like she said, as ministers, as servants of the Lord, right, you grind, you're constantly pursuing, you're constantly pushing forward. And a lot of times we don't, We don't take the time to say, you know, let's look back and see how we got here. And so these questions are pulling these dynamics out of us that we wouldn't necessarily just articulate at any given point. So I want to encourage you guys because the questions are a sign and a symbol that we are truly a people that understand the process. We embrace the process even more so than the final result right? Because if you're about the process, the results are going to come. If you just go after the final result and try to skip the process, just a recipe for disaster. So one of the things that was drawn out by your questions is this dynamic right here, believers versus disciples. And I believe this is a core dynamic that will, will address a lot of the questions that were asked. Um, when I read over the questions and I was praying about it, this is what it boiled down to for me. So I wanted to lay kind of some some teaching out tonight in a, in a brief and concise way to show the difference between a believer in the word and a disciple in the word. Because a lot of people think this is just synonymous. Believer, disciple, same thing. Um, and I want to show you tonight, before we get into the questions, uh, what the distinction is and how much of a distinction that it is because it's, it's really a big deal. Um, and th- this is something that as I was thinking about this and meditating on these questions and our walk and our process of how we got to the place of where we're at. And when I say that, it's not a, uh, you guys understand what I mean. It just means forward progression, maturity, uh, the way in which we walk Right, is, is what people are asking questions about. So just by definition, okay, well let me say this. When you look at believers in scripture, what makes you a believer? What is the most basic requirement that that says you're a believer? <laughs> right. So the scripture says if you believe in Yeshua, you will have eternal life. Okay? That's the most basic way you can explain it. So you can write life eternal. Now, I want to talk about what eternal means. Okay, eternal means without a beginning, without an end, goes on forever, it's perpetual. Okay, that doesn't speak anything to the quality of that life. Okay, we know what the quality of the life is because it's in Him. Okay, but but the definition of e- eternity doesn't speak to, to what, what is eternity. What is it? What's the quality of it? Okay? Now, when you talk about uh, a disciple, the scripture starts talking about life abundant. Okay? Now, all these definitions that I'm talking about were straight from the scripture. These aren't like... Um, Webster's definitions of of eternal and abundant, okay? Right. So, and, and we'll see this as we continue to talk about this, that there's basically two mindsets that get developed around these two dynamics, okay? When you talk about abundance, you talk about increase, overflow, creative power, multiplication fullness Now go ahead increase Okay Just think think about this as we're as we're looking at the difference between these two things increase overflow creative power multiplication Fullness,
1: <laughs> sorry, Linda,
2: honor, glory, and burdensome. Uh, isn't this interesting? Right, Because I think as Christians, quote-unquote Christians, all these things just get mixed together. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there is a definite distinction by definition in the Scripture between being a believer and being a disciple. And when you're a believer, another thing that happens is life eternal is instantaneous. Mm-hmm. When you're a disciple... Life abundant is a lifelong process. And this is all by definition in the scripture. So you're beginning to see a picture, right? The, t- the two opposed to each other. Um, one of the things that's interesting is that by definition, okay, hear me when I say this. I'm just strictly talking the definition of the word. Believers are entitled they're entitled instantaneously to eternal life by believing in him. Okay? By definition, when you believe in Yeshua, you are entitled to eternal life. Okay? I'm just talking strictly definition. Don't get weird on me about, like, you know, who started it and all that kind of stuff, okay? (laughs) When you talk about... When you talk about a disciple, you're talking about an element of honor. You're not entitled. You operate in honor because you have to, you, in order to honor what the transaction that happened as a believer, you will walk a certain way. Okay, so you can write honor on this side. So because of what happened and because of what was done for you, hmm. you then take it multiple steps That's further throughout good. your whole life, honoring what happened by carrying it forward. That's okay? good. <clears throat> hmm. This is interesting. You could say believers are consumers of the gospel. Okay. You're kind of like a customer, okay? You you receive something, you take it, you say, that's great, thank you very much, I'll see you in heaven, okay? Enter. <laughs> As a disciple, you are a co-laborer of the gospel. This is interesting, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about my oldest son, Jalen, who's a young man now, and he's working at Auto Rehab with Derek and Sally. And to understand this, right, somebody who's a a customer of Auto Rehab can have faith in Auto Rehab, right? As a customer, you have faith in Auto Rehab because that's where you take your car, you trust them, you have faith in them, you know your car's gonna get fixed, You know nothing about the process. You drop it off. You come Mm -hmm. back and pick it up later when Mm -hmm. you pay your bill. Mm -hmm. You don't get dirty, Mm -hmm. right? You know nothing about the process. Maybe you do, but you're not involved in it, okay? But you exercise faith by bringing your property to them to fix it, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So as a disciple, though, you are a co-laborer of auto rehab. You're a uh, you're a disciple of auto rehab. So my son, okay, he went beyond the stage of believing in auto rehab. So he goes there and he co-labors there. He learns. He walks out of process. He gets filthy. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you can begin to really see the picture and evaluate ourselves. Where am I at? Okay, in my process, am I approaching things as a believer? Am I approaching things as a disciple? And there's a lot, I mean, there's much more than what I wrote down to this. Okay, but you can really begin to see the distinction when you look at scripturally these things. Okay? And it's funny because uh, one of the people at Auto Rehab was asking my son, are you, did you get in trouble? Like he's serving community service or something. Because he's... he's they were
1: like, why are you here? And I think he's walking out a level that adults don't understand that he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want the fish. He wants to be taught how to get the fish. And he honors the level of learning. So you have a 16-year-old that's willing to walk in an integrity and diligence and have a schedule. And it's not, I mean, he said he worked, but it's not, it's not, well, it's not for pay. But that does not mean that who he co-labors with does not absolutely give them give him their all. But when you have an adult, be like, Why are you here? Because they're they're looking for the paycheck. But he understands that life's more than a paycheck. He wasn't made for that, he was made for more, but there's a process to get there.
2: There's a higher form of exchange as a disciple.
1: Mm.
2: There's more value as a disciple than there is simply here's my car keys you give them back to me, here's some dollars. Okay, that's a more simpler form of exchange. To add on to that, as a believer, you receive from him. As a disciple, you become like him and do what he does. It's a big difference, right? My son isn't just receiving from Derek by having faith in auto rehab and dropping off his car, but he's he's becoming like Derek and doing what Derek does. Sally as well. Right? So there, there's a huge difference. And you can see where I would I would be confident to say the majority of Christians, okay, would stop at belief and not step further into discipleship okay i would just say that's the case for the majority
1: well and this matches the gospel if this is an example if i'm accurate there were multitudes that followed yeshua multitudes believed in him but there was only 12 that followed so there's an aspect to that 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 is distinguishing the narrow of narrows
2: Now, this is interesting, and this is why this is so important. It's so simple, but it's so profound, because if we don't understand these distinctions, we're going to miss a whole lot about our walk with him, okay? When you're a believer, the transaction that happens is unconditional. Doesn't matter who it is, what they did. They say, I believe in you. I believe what happened on the cross. I believe who you are in my life. Eternal life. Unconditional. He doesn't put conditions on any of that.
1: I'm scared to write this.
2: Okay. As a disciple, there's conditions. (laughs) Which is why a lot of people won't go past belief into discipleship because we just went from this unconditional love, eternal life, Thank you, Jesus, Mm -hmm. to drop everything, deny yourself, follow me, and all of a sudden, bam, there's conditions right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Die if you want to gain your life. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's conditional. He says, abide in my word, deny yourself, follow me, bear fruit, hate your family. Okay? I want to talk about that. That's a condition of discipleship. Hate your family. That's what the scripture says. Right? The context of that situation is that in that day, if somebody was to, to listen to this, if somebody denied their father's inheritance or his tradition or his business or his habits or his beliefs, mm-hmm. it was shameful and it was equated with hate. So when yeah, Yeshua the- was talking to them, he was saying, you have to deny your earthly inheritance. Yeah. You have to deny manly traditions, deny the things you thought you knew. You have to deny all that and follow me. You have to essentially hate those things because that's how it would have been viewed in that time.
1: And even, even the word hate is a little bit different. It actually means less loved. So even in the Old Testament when it's talking about like he loved one son and hated another, it just means loved but, less. So there's an aspect of not necessarily hating, but you need to love earthly things less than the inheritance that he gives you. And in order to receive the inheritance that he has, typically that means you have to lose your life and lose the habits and lose the tri- all of that.
2: So does that make sense? There's conditions to be a disciple, to be a follower. He puts conditions on that. Okay? <laughs> um,
1: but we were taught.
2: Um. <laughs> uh, Another interesting thing, you know, we always, we all have heard this. They'll know us by our love, right? How many have heard that?
1: Are you going to smash we say, it,
2: we say it. What?
1: Are you going to smash something?
2: Well, just the distinction that a lot of us don't realize, right? Because we just, all of this is synonymous. Mm-hmm. We say stuff like life eternal, life abundant. We say it, right? But do we understand the difference in where that comes from? Okay, so when the scripture talks about they'll know us by our love, he Yeshua is saying, "You will, my disciples." He's talking to his disciples. Mm -hmm. They will know you're my disciples because you love. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say they'll they'll know you're Christian. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say they'll know you're a believer. Mm -hmm. It says they will know you're my disciples. Mm Because of how you love. How? Okay, now connect the dots there.
1: What is love and how and all of, all of that?
2: That's John 13, 35. You can connect the dots on, okay, well, he's not talking about believers, right? He's not talking about, you could literally express and vocalize and your heart has a belief in Yeshua. You receive eternal life. You're good to go. You don't even have to engage in all this to have eternal life, okay? But if you want life abundant, if you want increase, overflow, creative power, when abundance, that word, was, was in the beginning of creation when the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters and things began to, to be created. That's, that's a definition of abundance. That's what he called us to as disciples, creative power, Okay? Now, this is, before I go to this last thing, another thing that's interesting. When you talk about discipleship, there's a process, there's steps that go along with that, and it's pretty simple. And I think in the generality or the confusion or the misunderstanding or lack of understanding that we may walk in, um, you miss this. But it's so simple. Right. So going back to Jalen going to auto rehab, it's basically an apprenticeship. And this is the process of what happens. You basically have to acknowledge a master. Okay, like I said, strictly by definition, if I'm not mistaken, Derek, you're a master mechanic. Right. That's an actual term. That's a level that you get to. He's a master mechanic.
1: Like my MMA professional trainer. I had to acknowledge I didn't know how to punch.
2: Right. She didn't train with uh, Joe Blow down the street because he was like, you know, because he got in a fight. She trained with somebody who fought in the UFC, fought overseas, had a professional record, right? A master. There's mastery there. So you have to acknowledge and recognize the mastery. Okay? That's step number one because if you don't recognize it, you're not even going to engage in the rest of the process. Okay, so you have to acknowledge the mastery. You have to embrace the instruction. Mm -hmm. This is so hard, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, these are simple steps, but this is a hard process. Number
1: one is a fight. Then once that happens, it's like, oh, now I have to embrace what you have? Right. I was just trying to, I just just was like, I'm okay with you.
2: Some people I may recognize be like, you have
1: something. They'll, they'll fight I, but I don't tooth want and
2: nail. <laughs> they'll fight tooth and nail and say, "Fine, I'll acknowledge you, but I'm not embracing your instruction. Ooh. What does that sound like? <laughs> How would that be if uh-huh. uh, Jalen showed up to the shop and said, "Hey, I want an apprenticeship." Cool, let's go. Grab the, grab the mop over there. I need you to mop this, clean this, take that. Oh, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> not, I was ca- here to fix my cars. My calling
1: is to paint cars.
2: <laughs> yeah, no.
1: Okay,
2: then you, you watch the master perform. You watch what he's doing. Okay, then you go on to performing it with the master's help. This,
1: break, this breaks performance. Because what did he say? This is what that means. My yoke is easy. I don't know how many times we've talked to people when they're in the middle of a crisis or things get hard and they say, no, 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 the gospel's not hard. It's easy. It's peaceful. It's easy. Remember the scripture? His burden is light. His yoke is easy. That just means that his burden is light and his yoke is easy because you are with a master. Remember the, um, when I taught on the, the ox, I was going to call it a donkey the ox <laughs> where uh where the 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 basically the master ox who has been through the ground and the tilling and all that is training the younger ox being connected to that ox is that burden is light and that yoke is easy because they're not doing it alone but that doesn't mean the work of the ground is easy right. and right. that is a huge switch when all these questions are being asked that is something that believers do not understand because they want it easy and if it's easy that means you're not flowing with the spirit because that means we're and 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 they're not understanding that the work he's training you for is just like his his burden what was his burden light so why would ours be and I don't mean that, that he didn't do it for us, but he did it. He wants to do it with us. He didn't do it for us so we can lay in a hammock and be like, cool. It was so that he, we could express him. Perform
2: When she was training with Santino, it's the difference between the yoke and the burden. That I got knocked out. It's, it's easy in a sense because of who you're paired with. Who you're yes. attached to, but the training in and of itself was not easy. In no way did Santino say, You're cute, you're little, I'm gonna go easy on you. He'd have
1: no boxing
2: mitts. I and thought he slap would slap her and in, he the punched face. Me in
1: the face. To teach me how to guard. Like, and he would and I, I don't like things coming at my face. And I'm like, what is this? But that's how but but then when I would fight with others, that was easy. Because I was training with someone who was a master at it. So then when I have somebody else who is not, I mm-hmm. was able to win in those fights. But the training was not easy because he would make me jump rope for 30 minutes. He would tell me, I don't care. And there was no, you know what I mean? He was like, get down. You're going to do push-ups. And then when we, when we would fight, we fought each other. And he did not care. I would have my gloves up and he'd go like this. And my own I'd punch myself <laughs> and I'd almost get knocked out. Like, I pretty much, if I did get knocked out, I think I knocked myself out just because he was going like this.
2: Yeah. My first couple weeks when I started training at the gym, on the mat, there was this purple belt there. And he kept choking me the exact same way. Every 30 seconds, he would do it the exact same way. And as he was choking me, he was telling me, I'm going to keep doing this until you protect yourself. And so finally, I was like, okay, I learned how to stop getting choked, but he just kept choking me the exact same way. <laughs> right? Totally. But as a...
1: Why do we do this? Everybody's like, what, what helped you? <laughs> I don't know. We're just weird. <laughs> yeah.
2: So the, the final step after you perform it with him is you go on to perform it yourself and you teach. So you multiply the cycle of discipleship. right i'm a i'm I'm two hundred percent confident that as derek is is engaging in apprenticeship or discipleship with anybody that is willing to go through the process, that he ultimately wants to see them go on and be successful and do great things and do fine quality work okay
1: better than him
2: <laughs> <Zeke>. <laughs> so the last thing I want to say about this, these distinctions uh, before we move forward is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 through 30. What does the Great Commission tell us to do? As disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. So as disciples, Yeshua is talking to his disciples saying, go and make more disciples. Okay, what else does it say? Don't cheat, don't look.
1: I didn't get it all.
2: Hmm? Okay, I'm going to line it out, okay?
1: <laughs> We're wrong. It says,
2: make disciples. Okay. Okay.
1: You guys It says,
2: baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Going and evangelizing, basically. Okay. And the third thing that I feel like this is going to make sense to everybody here since we've been on this path. The third thing that you really don't hear highlighted a whole lot, it says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's the final directive of the Great Commission.
1: And we're like, just get, just say your prayer, come to the altar, get baptized, you're good to go. But forget about that commandment stuff.
2: Now listen, the Great Commission, he's talking to disciples. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. You could, yes.
2: be, you could be over here and be fine with this and mm-hmm. just stop right here.
1: Now, when I say that, hopefully you guys, we, you guys have heard all this stuff. When I'm talking about renter, I'm talking about mindsets. I'm not talking about if you're renting.
2: But listen, if you're a believer, you're not co-laboring. You're not necessarily walking out ownership. Okay. Now, the final directive of the Great Commission says, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. What is he talking about? What is he, te- what is he saying that he wants all those being taught, future disciples, to observe? Torah. What are, what are the things that he's commanded them to observe? And that is the final directive of the great commission when he says go and make more disciples anyways as i was going over this isn't that interesting that he finalized the great commission right we've all heard that he finalized it and said make sure you teach them to observe everything i've commanded you to do okay so we're not fulfilling the great commission if we're baptizing and we're making you know we're going to the ends of the earth but we're not teaching people to observe everything Yeshua commanded, then we're not fulfilling that. Okay, all that to say, and then we'll move on, that this is, a, this is a framework, I believe, because of your questions, it drew out of me what was it about our walk that got us to the place that we're at? What was it? And I can tell you 1,000% that when this transaction happened, we did not, we were not satisfied with this. Okay? Yes, is this amazing? Yes, absolutely. Praise, praise the Father for all of this, okay? Did I become entitled to an inheritance? Did I become entitled to eternal life? Was I consuming, receiving something unconditionally? Yes, absolutely. Some people just stop right here. Okay? But what we did was, out of honor for this, stepped into discipleship so that when he said, drop everything and follow me in a very real way, when he said, deny everything about your earthly family to follow me, we did that. We co-labored. Right, We went after, after these, not necessarily like we had a list and we're like, okay, we got to go after this and this and this. But when you just start pursuing and following, right, all Derek needs to say, Jalen doesn't need to know the whole plan in Derek's head. No. He doesn't need to know all the information in Derek's head. It
1: would be, he couldn't, he couldn't take the whole plan. He, he, he would be, then he, he it wouldn't, he would be on step 10 and he doesn't even understand step one. So a master says, we're going to do step one. And usually that's when we'll get frustrated because you want to see the fixed result, but you have to go through the process to be able to learn how to establish the fixed result.
2: It starts with acknowledging the master. Yeah. Right? If you're fighting on this, you're, you're not going to honor the process. Okay? So when, when Yeshua did this in my life, it was like, f- when he said, follow me, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. When he gave me the little tape, square foot box and said, stand right there until I come back.
1: Well, the box and keep your mouth shut.
2: Right? There's, there's When times, he's like a fight, you know. There's times where <laughs> somebody who has mastered something is going to tell you to do things you don't understand. And it's not your place to argue or figure it out, but why can you explain it to me? Sometimes they can't explain it to you. You just have to experience what they're trying to teach you, right? So I wanted to lay these distinctions out. One, because I feel like there's a lot of this just gets blurred into one big, I'm a Christian, life abundant, life eternal, I'm a disciple, go, you know, fulfill the Great Commission, right? We don't understand that there's a there's a distinction, okay? And if you don't understand that there's a distinction, you'll miss out on a lot of this process. A lot of people will come up against things or things will come up against you, right? The book of James says not when, but or excuse me, not if, but when you face trials, when those trials come at you, if you don't understand this, right? If you don't understand this, you're going to be thinking, but I've got life eternal. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeshua's was like, okay, I got you. This transaction happened. And now he's like, let's move. Follow me. But wait, I got life eternal. Well, he's, that's not it. Right? He's like, I got more for you. I need to introduce you to the Father. I need to walk you through how to co-labor with me, how to own, how to be abundant, how to create. I need to walk you through that. And a lot of people won't go through that because after this happens, he says, now here's some conditions for you to move forward.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? The book of (laughs) Yahakov.
2: So I wanted to lay this as a groundwork. To answer a lot of the questions, and I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll get after that. I'm not sure how far we'll get.
1: We may not get far. But I was just going to say, did you want to bring up our vision? Because the first two questions, one of the one, some of the first two questions was, how did mom and dad continue to stand with all the weight that they carry on their shoulders? Third one is during the hard times, how did you keep going without a family to surround you? What was your mindset, and why do you do what's right when at times nothing seemed to be right for you? So, what year was that?
2: So it's 2014.
1: So 2014, so that's only seven years ago. But this was written after a culmination of 10 years. Yes. What? Did I do the math wrong? 2014, this was written. And, but, but that's not a new thing. It was written as the culmination of 10 years of what we had already been operating in. What's so powerful is if he reads this, you would think we wrote it today. So there's something about in Malachi where it says write it down when, you're, when, you're, when, you, when you could be wavering on what is your mindset. First of all, that answers the question. What was our mindset? This. This was the mindset. Mindset is ownership versus renter. Do I need to give the example again? with renter and ownership. What? Well, got it. Okay. So, having that mindset is what got us there. But then having vision and understanding what he said and holding on to it strongly because if if because then if we can read that today and it's still the same, there's no wavering. There's growth. There's things that change There's glory to glory. There's things that are okay for now. And then he says, here's the next step. Oh, that wasn't okay anymore. There's that aspect. But the vision of family and all that's in there is the heart and the answer.
2: So just to answer that question real quick, how did we walk through things without family, right? Like I talked about, because my daddy told me so. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Because my daddy said so.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Right? He said, hate your family. Understanding what that means. How did you do it without family? Well, he said to do it without family. <laughs> right? Okay. So, so that just,
1: those that come after don't have to.
2: <laughs> but out of that process, what what got birthed? Family. Right? But that doesn't mean
1: that you lose out on the experience of loving earth less, right? You have stronger, you have a nation. Instead of being like Yeshua, who is one, there's a nation, but that doesn't mean that you, well, oh, you went through that, so I don't have to. That's where that entitled generation comes with the vets of like, oh, well, you did it, so I'm good, knowing you still have to stand firm in convictions to be able to carry on that legacy.
2: Okay, so I'm going to read this because I think it answers some of the questions about consistency, vision, calling, what he's asking you to do, okay, and how he'll just deposit something in your heart. So we titled this Legacy Investment Strategies, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. It says, the family development ministry was birthed out of a peacemaker calling, a call to destroy the power which establishes chaos in the lives of God's children. When some react by fleeing a circumstance surrounded by chaos, Tanya and I respond by moving uh, moving to silence and displace it with the very presence of the kingdom of God. While chaos and worldly patterns are displaced, we de- discover his good, pleasing, and perfect will by being transformed by the renewing of our minds, as stated in Romans 12.2. The process of discovering our inheritance is directly related to our state of mind. Tanya and I are not only called as first responders and watchmen of the faith, but we're also highly capable of practical teaching, realistic training, and biblical direction regarding this victorious mindset. Okay? Okay. <laughs> Right, I, I feel like God shows you things we didn't even we didn't even fully under we had no clue. Okay, like I mean, we. It's like believed we had no this. clue
1: about Friday nights. We had no clue. You know, you just. He said.
2: But doesn't it sound familiar? Mm-hmm. We've been saying the same thing, for twenty years. Mm-hmm. We've been saying the same thing. Two thousand
1: fourteen.
2: And yeah. Um. There's some other things in here that uh, I could read, but that's basically the heft of it. The other interesting thing about this is that I I included a paragraph. People probably were like these stinking kids. <laughs> I put a paragraph on how important it is to publicly commission the next generation. How Moses commissioned Joshua before the nation, and how important it was to be publicly commissioned. Okay, and fast forward, you know, several years, I've gotten I don't know how many prophetic words about carrying an anointing like Moshe to safeguard the next generation. And so I wanted to read that. I was looking for this today because it just goes to show the consistency. It's the same thing. We'll be saying the same thing 10 years from now. We'll have a fuller revelation of it, a greater understanding of it. We'll walk in more authority in it. But we will be saying the exact same things because that's what Yahweh asked us to do. Amen?
1: One of the questions is, how did you know that family was the answer? What established that as such a strong conviction? And we know to a greater degree today what family means. We did not have that revelation then what we knew was that the nuclear family was the foundation. I remember a long time ago saying something as crazy as, you know how people say strong churches build strong families? And I said, what if it's strong families that build strong churches? Again, within that revelation, it was about building the family. We were watching marriages explode. We were watching people not walk in the fullness. We were watching things way out of order. And and just, so for us, we just knew that marriage... Was, was a foundational thing, and it didn't scare us to jump into those messes. Then that transformed. Whenever you deal with marriage, right, because that's covenant, and that's essentially now what we know, it's Yeshua and who we are. Then ultimately what that turned into was all the things that come with marriage, which is pretty much everything. So, right? I mean, that's children. That's finances. That's legacy. That's mindsets. That's breakthrough. That's, I mean, it just got into such a personal. We basically were the ones that weren't afraid to touch the things nobody wanted to touch. You know, in, in, a, in a large church, the pastor will say, you need to call this person because I don't deal with porn. Or you need to call this person because I don't deal with, you know, that you have people that, that take care of those things because they're so, um, it's such an intimate process when you're in the in context of covenant. Now it's grown to his family and understanding that if we felt that marriage was the foundation to any family, right? We, we believe that uh, when Yahweh created Adam and Eve, you guys know this about us, he said, this is good. He didn't say Adam and Eve and kids. <laughs> he said, Adam and Eve, this is good. Now, because it's good, take dominion and multiply. So the foundation to our ministry was your marriage is first. And we were operating in a culture where we were way child-centered. And so we were trying to flip the, the, stri- the strip We were trying to flip the script where the culture would be that marriages would be healthy and the children would be an added asset, but not the center. And now, if you think about that in context to where things are now, we're honoring a level of covenant to where that is the master and being able to understand our position is in addition to, it's a good thing, it's out of something good. Does that make sense?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, dominion comes out of that place.
1: Yes. Did that answer the question? How did you know that family was the answer? Some of the qu- there's other questions that says what uh, what is the biggest testimony of family transformation that you have personally walked through, and then another one was what is the biggest testimony of family transformation that you have partnered with in another family to walk in? I don't
2: even know how to answer that question.
1: I'm like, I'm trying to pick one out of the list. I mean,
2: obviously, you know, we have a front row seat in our own marriage transformation. so I that's, mean, that's what they asked. Huh?
1: That's what they asked. What is the biggest testimony of family transformation that you have personally walked in, that we've personally walked mm-hmm.
2: in? I mean, the obvious answer is a 20-year pornography addiction, you know. and you know, Well, the obvious that. answer is
1: a 20-year self-righteous addiction. <laughs> and that got smashed and collided when you just... It's a great combo. Perfectly put, two opposites together.
2: Yeah. Someone with a porn addiction and somebody who's (laughs) self-righteous.
1: It was great. And we were leading marriage ministry. I mean, (laughs) we were perfect for the job. (laughs) But here's the thing. It's not about being perfect for the job. It was because we were willing to be transparent and to be authentic in being willing to say, I want more. I want transformation. Can we walk so pure that a man cannot have that in him? And can I walk so transformed that I do not have those thoughts or those feelings of what is off limits? So being hungry for that doesn't mean that we were always full, but we were hungry for more.
2: And honestly, you know, you can't, you can't repair a vehicle without getting dirty, Right? If if we didn't have issues...
1: Well, unless how? you're a renter, you, can just, you take care of it.
2: Yeah. Take it to Derek. He'll deal with it.
1: <laughs> as far as a, a personal, a biggest testimony of a family transformation, that's kind of hard to talk about because things are so personal. But I, what I would say is that the things that we would dive into with people were not like, oh, you guys yell at each other. It was like... My husband's going to prison for molestation. It would be...
2: Everything. Adultery, I hid drugs. Addiction.
1: Um, I didn't tell my wife, and I went and did drugs. Uh, I, wanna, I went on a trip, and I cheated. Um, I decided to get pregnant, and my husband doesn't know that I did that. It was family travesties, or family...
2: Yeah. I spent all the money that we have... My husband doesn't know about it. How do I fix
1: it? I have five credit cards he doesn't know about. Now we're gonna have to file bankruptcy. And so there was just big things. Now granted, here's the thing. When those things would come, we didn't look at the finances. Does that make sense? We didn't look at the cheating. We didn't look at the drugs. We looked at what got you here. What was the root? What's the mindset? Why would you hide? How do we build a relationship to where you can be so transparent that you say, I've been triggered and I feel like I need to go spend? And we ask questions. Why do you need to spend? So that there's actual transformation, not just, can you stop doing that? You know, it, 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 was, it was a lot more than, than that.
2: And 99.9% of all those stories were these people. We're not talking about people that don't know Yahweh.
1: Well, yeah. The same ones that were like, they're so gross out there. (laughs) All right, when was the moment you discovered adoption and felt your heart first turn for someone? How did you know it was the spirit of adoption resting on you? I don't think we knew anything. Uh, I will say that he heard he hears his voice this is going to sound weird I would say I hear his voice very continual like in just relationship he doesn't necessarily hear him like that but when he does it is like if it's once a month it is like this is the direction our family's going I'm not saying that you only hear him once a month but I don't necessarily have those big like we're doing this. I'm usually like, hmm, like, and he'll say, Yahweh said something like when we had Jalen, he said, you need to get off birth control. I fasted for three days. We're having a baby. And I was like, um, are you kidding me? I'm not even graduated yet. My parents are going to kill me because I was still attached to my dad for like seven years into our marriage. <laughs> it, ma- it mattered more what my dad said than what Yahweh said through my husband. I did not hate my dad. I loved my dad more than my husband for seven years. So yeah. that was a big transformation. Yeah. You want to know what happened? You guys want to know when the, the day it happened? Okay. My dad.
2: <laughs> I, I don't it. think I they don't watch
1: know. live. <laughs> watch this one time. <laughs> I just I found your podcast, daughter. <laughs> no, but my dad, he's very humble. He has, he is a be- he is amazing, and he has apologize for a lot of things and just some things that they didn't understand. And I'm, I'm an, inte- I'm a, I'm a kick, I'm a kickboxer and I'm pretty sure I operated in kickboxing as a teenager and there was, I, okay. So I was intense. Okay. He called me one time and, uh, when he picked up the phone, he said, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, he said, you bit, be Papa. And so, but here's what's cool. In that moment, he stepped in and he said, you don't ever talk to my wife like that again. And it was done. And I was like, oh, there's daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I needed some like authority in there. And so anyways, that there's, there's a fun little story to adoption.
2: Only took 7 years.
1: It only took 7 years. And and it's all right. So. <laughs> D you okay? <laughs> she's so cute. She's she's got her fan back there. I'm like, "Woo!" All right. The spirit of adoption. So what I was trying to get at with him hearing Yahweh's voice. I remember being in a service and he came right up to me and he said, "Yahweh just told me right now that I need to express the heart of the Father over those people." And it was a couple that was going through one of those traumatizing things. When all of the church world disowned them, when their family had nothing to do with it, he said, it is time for me to express Yahweh's heart over that couple. And, in, and I was like, oh, okay, what, what is this going to look like? So we went and we prayed for him. And basically what had happened was we, re, we didn't realize it then, but the spirit of adoption, in that moment, there was an ownership that took place that when, when all hell breaks loose and the entire world, is coming at all of us, we will stand and we will basically guard your guard your character because you're after transformation. And that's ultimately, we didn't know it was adoption, but that's ultimately what happened. Out of that relationship was such a covenant relationship, such, excuse me, such a closeness. When you go through battles, like if you're in war, that's why the, that's why the vets, they can say like, I was with my brothers, right? There's such, a, you went through an experience. Out of that, then became the concept of mom and dad, spiritual mom and dad, uh, someone who will walk me through life and and train me in the way I should go in that degree is kind of where it started. And then it started to kind of just amp up right after that. Then there was another cup. We kept hearing it. Now, granted, when we're operating in this, we're still, I would think, somewhat in the old wineskin. So we're not we, we don't have any grid for this. We've never heard of this. But he kept saying, express your heart of Yahweh over them. Express your heart of Yahweh over them. And it just kept kind of turning and turning and turning until Does that make sense? Or did what's, I answer that question?
2: What's interesting is how weird that could be to the people that are experiencing that as a result of what was walked out. But isn't that the gospel? right? Yahweh told his son, he said, I want you to stand in the gap for my children. And he said, go. Yep. And Yeshua fulfilled that directive from the father on the cross, right? And if we're acknowledging a master, if we're embracing his instruction and in doing what we see our father doing, and we're watching, we're watching him do it, we're performing it with him, as disciples, then why wouldn't he say, son, I want you to express my heart over those people. I want you to stand in the gap for those people and get in it with him. Why would he not say that? Right? And out of honor for what, for knowing that he did that for me, why would I not jump at the chance to do that?
1: And that is ultimately in the new era What's shifting is in the old era, we understood great humanness. Does that make sense? We understood giftings. We understood the humanness of someone. And now he's getting the glory through our true selves and not our human side. So it's no longer about what what I'm getting at. And I'm not trying to say it's everyone. But there's an aspect of a pastor will continually minister on this but but it's not a pastor necessarily that is going to ad- adopt this level with people. So that's why this is so different. Because it's not about humanness or the gifts or the fivefold ministry. But it's about something beyond that is in the scriptures that we have yet to see. Which is not new to him but new to us. Which is why it's the new era. Which is going to highlight our true selves and not our human nature. So it's not going to be about... Like when I was talking about even healing, like, come up to the altar and we're going to lay hands because then you know who's laying hands or who has that gift. Most of us would have to wait to go to a conference to be healed, whereas now you can be healed because, or whatever, Logan can text and say, partner with me, I need supernatural timing on it, and then he makes it. Not because I laid hands on him or that anybody else knows that he even texts, but there's a personal relationship that he he has access to me as a spiritual grandchild, the middle of the night, in the morning. Liter- I mean, literally, all day long. Taylor's like, mm-hmm. all day long, every day, all here. day. <laughs> they, they have Already. access, and it's not about even a corporate setting to be able to release this greatness. This greatness inside of me has to be released every moment, every. every that's what we're supposed to walk in. Amen.
2: There was another question on there about how did we endure mockery? Is that basically what it says?
1: What has kept you going through all the hard parts of mockery?
2: So this goes right into that question because basically what Yahweh said is it was like he was standing right next to me and at one point in time he, he pointed out Amber and Jason and said, I want you to express my heart over them, which I understood was I want you to express the spirit of adoption right? That is, his, that's, that is exactly what he said. I want you to express the spirit of adoption over those two people, okay? Now, when you look at this process, you can see how if you're engaged in this process and you're acknowledging the master, embracing instruction, just with those two things alone, when the mockery comes, you're going to be solid, okay? Jalen as part of his apprenticeship with Derek, gains access to certain things, and he sees things differently, okay? He bought a car. He bought his first car for 300 bucks out of a junkyard, right? It's in the junkyard. Nobody wants it, okay? But out of a place of discipleship, somebody came along and said, what do you, how do you say it? From uh,
1: His hand is raised.
2: You want to come up here and say something? Okay, so you have a master telling a son you can take things that have been disregarded and transform them to desired. Mm -hmm. Come on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nobody would go in that junkyard and think anything of any. That's us. Mm -hmm. That's us before this. But Yahweh told his son, take those things that have been disregarded because I desire them.
1: Yeah. And then when you make them desired, then everybody gets jealous and go, why so are you he, the mom?
2: So he just said somebody tried to offer <laughs> him some money for it today. How much you want for that? It's desired now because you have somebody you have somebody willing to step into a discipler relationship and bring on people who are willing to be a disciple. And I, if you, you could tell 99 out of 100 teens – Hey, let's go to the junkyard. I'm going to get you a car. I don't, want no, I don't want a car out of the junkyard. I want the dealership. Now, right?
1: Jalen just said somebody offered him money today. But what happened on the first day of school when you drove up? He got made fun of. And, of course, me, I'm like, did you, did you tell him, like, the behind, like, what's going to happen? <laughs> he was like, it's not even worth it. He's like, he's, he's, he's a lot like his he's dad. Right here. So he's a quiet, just watch because they're not going to understand it anyways when he makes three grand on it and learns the process.
2: He was able to endure that mockery because he knows right. what he's gaining. He knows yeah. where he's at. He knows, he knows that he's gone beyond having faith in auto rehab and dropping off a car to doing what Derek does and understanding how he does it. So part of that is Derek... On a regular basis, takes things. <laughs> what? I went and it with him. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's performing it with him, and eventually he's going to be able to perform it and teach.
2: Now, he's learning from somebody who on a regular basis takes things that have been disregarded and turns them to desired, and people put money down for them.
1: Jalen's hands up. The master. So he's an expression of... Yahweh in your life, so when you're engaging with that, you're learning practical application on earth, what it's like to have a relationship with Yahweh. And this is where it becomes experience versus head knowledge, and it hits your heart. Because most people will be like, you do not put anyone in that position. Derek can be in that position all day long. Why? Because we walk it out here, and we walk it out here. And he's an... Derek, who... The only people that can be in a master position are already humble enough to not become a master in the way that we've known. They are becoming right. the older ox saying, went, come with me and yeah. let me make that yoke and burden light. But that doesn't mean that the work is easy. Nobody's they went nobody's through this
2: process. To, and
1: to they to went place. through this process first. These, now listen. This, this, they're not going to become a mom and dad. They're not going to become an owner. They're not going to become a master. They're not going to, does that make, they're not going to be able to, because they're not going through this process to be able to multiply that. And so when people say, and we've had that, you should never put someone in a mom and dad position, even though you grew up with a mom and dad your entire life. I don't, anyways, but they'll say that because he is the master. Yes, but we are supposed, that's like saying, but he's not allowed to be expressed on earth. It's only vertical, it's just in the closet. But then how are we transforming earth if we just keep hiding behind closed doors? So it's an expression, Jalen, of your relationship with Yah- Yahweh, how he trains you in the spirit. And, and there's a revelation about cars.
2: And can how I? much of that takes place I'm all, because... Can I say it? What? Go ahead.
1: The car revelation? No, go.
2: <laughs> so if you're, if you're here and you stop here at Life Eternal... The only thing you know of the master is that he gave you eternal life, mm-hmm. right? Nobody else can do that. So to, to honor another human being that has gone through a process and can walk you through something and is a, is a, is a um, byproduct of this process and multiplication and creative power in the lives of his people, right? If you don't even know about any of that, you're limiting Mastery and in uh, discipleship in the the life abundance because you haven't gone past this, so that's why people have a problem with it. Well, you can't put anybody in the place of God because they're right here well of course not I'm not we're not giving anybody eternal life right <laughs> right but we stepped into this process and we understand <laughs> life abundant and how. Yahweh wants to synergize a family together, and that's how multiplication happens.
1: We ready for, does anybody have, before I read another question, because we're coming to a close, does anybody have any, excuse me, off the top of their heads, with based on the things that we're talking about right now, versus what's on the paper?
2: Well, let me ask this: are, are you guys like, as we're talking, kind of taking an inventory, looking looking at ourselves about just like where are we at with all of this? I think that's good for all of us to do on a continual basis.
1: Hmm. Do I get along with all of my blood kids? Overwhelmed? Yes. Yes, with all the kids, yes, not the grandkids. I don't get overwhelmed with any of the grandbabies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Logan had a question? Uh, Yeah, I would say when I say overwhelmed, it's not necessarily like in a bad way because when you walk, I would assume Derek, right? Like when you walk as a master, that's what your heart pours out it's the only thing you know to do is that you're constantly in a position to to be that for the ones that cuz cuz there's an not an obligation in a bad way but I'm responsible when he says express my heart I I have to express his heart I don't have the option it's just like when you get if you have kids you can't be like well today I don't feel like having them it's like, it's an, it's, an, it's, an, it's an honorable thing that can get overwhelming because when you have a large family, it is every day, all day, every day, all day. Now, however, what we're walking in is a level of years to where your children are not toddlers anymore. That stage was definitely overwhelming. And I'm talking about in the spirit. But now when you have sons and daughters raising up and they're having sons and daughters and the grandbabies start coming around, I'm starting to like really like this. (laughs) Because it's a whole different, there's a maturity that's surrounding you. You have mature sons and daughters that are now saying, can I pour into you for what you've given me? So here we were and now people are starting to say, let me honor Not that we gave eternal life, but there was gifts that were given that allowed for somebody's heart to even turn. This wasn't like, come find me. This was, I'm going to lay down my life constantly because I saw you first. Is that not the gospel? Yeshua said, he said that he knew you and loved you first. So because that love has been poured out and because that has happened, then People begin to start walking in this process. They start to honor what was given. And then when they walk out this process, look what happens. So when you get to a point where Missy asked the question, how do you get to grandkid status? When your spiritual children and your blood children begin to rise up and they have their children, what's happening when I say children is disciples. You're discipling a nation. You are acknowledging, embracing, you're watching, you're, perform- you're doing Matthew 28. We just have a language to it to get us out of the churchiness of it. That's all that is. When we say spiritual kids, we're just talking about my disciples finally have disciples. Typically in the old era, it was I'm the only one and you're all the disciples for the rest of your life because I need to be codependent because I need you and you need me and that's it. And I'm like, I don't want you. Now, here when I say that, when Yeshua left, he said it is better that I go. That's what I mean when I say that. I don't, you don't touch me. I have to go back to the father, but Ruach is going to come to empower you for you to do what I did. So when I'm saying I don't want you, I'm not saying I, I, I want you, but it's the concept of I don't want to be codependent. So there's an aspect of saying I want to send you out and I want you to go farther and I want you to be better. And I am not in competition with you because you're mine. Yeshua is not in con- competition with his brothers and sisters. He's not in competition with them. He wants them to do greater than these. He wants mm-hmm. to do that. There's no competition in the kingdom. The church, yes. There's a poverty spirit. There's not enough room for me. It's all mm-hmm. in, in, in a kingdom. It is expansion. It's multiplication. There's no competition. I hope you're better than me because it's time for me to go. Not, not you, you know what I mean.
2: The Old Testament is not in competition no. with the New Testament. Oh my! The first thing in the New Testament is regeneration. There's things being generated, regenerated, right? So that, that's just another. We
1: have that because English said old and new, and that's not even real. Anyways. No, it's not. <laughs> Like Old Testament and New Testament are not the words. Barit Hadashah means renewed covenant. And the Old Testament is covenant. So it's, it's, an, it's, it's, a, it's an expansion. It's not a replacement. When I say that, it's not a replacement. A lot of people say old's gone, new is here. You're ready to go? I'm, we're done? Oh, oh.
2: <laughs> She's like, you're done.
1: <laughs> here, 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 here. Berit Hadashah and yeah. renewed covenant. Yes. Now I want you to understand that out of what you've learned, do it. That's all it is. Old Testament, here's how you do, here's how you do it. Eventually, you're going to be given the power to do it. And it's going to be through my son that you're going to be able to do it. Give him the
3: mic. I was just saying, as I'm taking stock of what is going on here, believers are at the, like brand new. So you're, you got to start somewhere, which believers is where you're starting. Yep. And if I look at myself, I think I'm in the end stage and I'm, I'm transitioning to that discipleship. And what I'm re- recognizing is that as I'm transitioning in, I'm actually Positioning myself to co-labor with mom and dad, mm-hmm. so then what it does is then it eases some of the burden and/or the yes. overwhelmness yes. Uh, for you guys to then focus on either grandkids and/or other nations, other nations that are still e- in the believer stage yes. or in the same stage as I am, as in transitioning to that d- that discipleship. Is that that's how I'm kind of wrapping my head around that.
1: No, it's really good. Yes.
3: Um, one just one other thing is uh, what's interesting is I always get I'm, I'm always thinking about the original intent mm-hmm. right and how you guys do an amazing job of being able to de, um, translate words and what they actually meant mm. right so when I think of the word hate mm. I don't like that word right. and nor do I want to be a part of that word so when it says hate your family, family mm-hmm. right that goes against everything that it, that, that doesn't sound right to me, mm-hmm. right? But the, if I'm hearing you guys correctly, mm-hmm. the original intent was love less. Mm-hmm. Now, if that was originally brought to me or presented mm-hmm. to me in that way, mm-hmm. I think that I could have easily, in that moment, mm-hmm. grasped that and walked that out, mm-hmm. right? You need to love less, Whereas it's translated as, or however it got translated, right, into hate, which is like, right. that's crazy to me. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to translate it as that word when it could have been this? So when you look at Matthew the Matthew 28, so I, I'm just just thinking about, as you're reading that, I'm assuming that you're reading that in the, in the mm-hmm. regular. The regular text, right? The regular King—not <laughs> King James, but you know what I'm saying. Like the regular translation. Mm-hmm. So I would be interested to to break that down in what was the original intent with mm-hmm. that Matthew tw- that Matthew 28. Mm-hmm. So, anyways.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting to tag on to what you said that the Great Commission, which is the you know the directive. In the renewed covenant, is at at its end, is pointing back to the covenant, the Old Testament, where he's saying, "Teach them to observe what I've commanded you." Well, that's the Old Testament, that's the Torah, right? He's 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 pointing back to that. So it's it's an interesting thing that um, we don't necessarily think of that. And when you talk about that that hate aspect, hate your family, he's saying deny your family's traditions, their beliefs, their habits, whatever, and take mine instead, right? It's not. So it is interesting when you think about, like, what is actually being said if we understand the context, right? He's saying give all those things up for the loving instructions of the Father. So ultimately...
1: And it's powerful because that's what brings you back to the original, which is the Hebraic mindset and getting out of that Greek mindset, where there was a lot of things that were translated with a black and white and not understanding the concept of the way Yeshua thinks, the way that Yahweh sees things, and so there's there's all of that with, with that mindset. We are almost done, and I want to end on two things. I hope we've got. An, do we have time for us to answer two? Oh, Logan, sorry. Answer. What's your question? Say that again.
0: How do I know if I'm doing something correctly without looking at my results?
1: He wants to know if you're not looking at the results, how do you know you're doing it correctly? You can can take that one on.
2: (laughs) So I would answer that question with a question and say, who are you following? Who, what's your example to be doing what you're doing? Right? If you want to know if the result is going to be correct, then what master are you following? Right? Because ultimately, the result, I have to trust Yah for the result.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because and we may steps. not
1: know what the result is. Sometimes his result looks opposite of what you want on earth. Sometimes it, it, it it's brokenness when you got to take a plow and get a rock and there's a big old hole and you're like now there's a big old hole and you think that's not Yeshua <laughs> and he's like mm, you don't know me so there's an aspect where you can't even base it on your results when you're going through the process it's about being obedient to step by step versus even looking at the result of the step it's constantly acknowledging am I going it you're 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 also taking an evaluation when you're the trajectory not making sure you're not that one percent off to be So you're constantly just on, in that process with who's teaching you.
2: Right. So I would say, trust the process. And I would also tell you, anytime Yahweh's told us something like an explicit directive where he said, do this, don't do that, if we were to look at the circumstances that we were in the midst of, anybody would look at the circumstances and say, like, you have to be insane. When he His said, process when he told me,
1: is not going to be your process. So usually, if it's not your process, you're good to go.
2: <laughs> when he said go off birth control, when <laughs> he told me that process. we were going to go, she was going to go off birth control. I was making six seven dollars 50, an hour.
1: Seven fifty. 50 I think an hour. I don't know.
2: Less than ten bucks an hour. We were still in college, right? Like no insurance. Our parents were like, "Are you insane?" Right? And there's we could go down the list but almost But now look every... at
1: Jalen. What would have happened <laughs> if we weren't obedient? But here's another thing. It's not just connection with him. Usually what happens is if you go to your closet, you find that strategy. And that's why when you express it on earth, you're not... It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's uh, okay. When you... Um... That's awkward. Stop. He's like, I want to play with you. <laughs> um,
2: Super. Yeah.
1: Um, the other thing is, is to s- express it on Earth. Is who does Yahweh represent in that process to you on Earth? Does that make sense? So you're not alone because religion will say, I heard from Yahweh, and that, and then you're like, Well, I heard from Yahweh, and then clash. So there's a process of I heard this from Yahweh. What do you see in this? Okay, I think you have heard him because you've got this filter over here. Like, but you're trusting the master on earth to walk you through those roadblocks because there's filters where you'll be like, Yahweh, Yahweh's my master, and then your mom will be like, That was Hasatan that and will be confused so that's why you go here and then you express what's here out here and then who you trust in your life to be able to guide you that helps the process a lot quicker so you're not alone so basically don't be alone trust the process and it's never about the result it's about listening and obeying makes sense I don't think we've got time for the last two things Well, they were it was from Armory and it was really cool. It said how did you and dad meet? How did he propose and how does dad honor mom? And I feel like that is just good. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm like we can do it tomorrow. That's fine. <laughs> Okay, so I want to make sure, and maybe you guys know the story, but I want to make sure that I'm always expressing the man of the house and what we have in this father, because it's not this personal, I'm the father of the house, and not walking it out. So, when he says that I create a foundation for the bride to thrive, when he creates a foundation for the bride to thrive, there is an aspect of living a lifestyle of honor. So, we met technically in high school, we went to the Catholic Church together, and we were leaders in the Catholic Church, and he, to me, was kind of like a big brother. He was the hot big brother that I wasn't allowed to, and he, I'm older, but I was best friends with his younger brother, so he was just the hot older brother that I wasn't allowed to talk to ever because he had a girlfriend. I
2: don't need to get into all that, <laughs>
1: Anyways, but we were great friends. Him, him, my brother, His brother and I were best friends. We were great friends. We knew each other, but we just basically went to church because we went to two different high schools. So we were kind of church friends. Fast forward, we get to college, and after my freshman year, I come back home. He goes to ASU. I went to NAU. We come back home to Tucson, and we decided to hang out. He didn't have a girlfriend anymore, and I didn't have a boyfriend anymore. And because he was like my brother, we like – Hung out all the time till all of a sudden he just decides to say, I'm in love with you. And I was like, you need to leave. Because I had a good friend of mine that was supposed to be with him. Like, I was trying to be friends with him so that she could be with him. And he tells me he loves me. And I'm like, you need to leave. This is not allowed. We're going to, this is not good. And then I think that lasted a day. Because then we met up and it was no joke. We were standing in front of my house on Mars. <laughs>
2: Mars street.
1: My eyeshadow is called Mars tonight. <laughs> Anyways, so we're standing in front of the car and he's talking to me and we both saw Yeshua standing in between us and he said this this is of me. And we didn't grow up like I mean I mean we had the Catholic, we had the Catholic religion, but it wasn't like we necessarily understood that. We saw in that moment, and from that moment forward, we just, there was a confidence that we were just supposed to be together. We, that was after freshman year. We did not marry till senior year. So we had a long-distance relationship that entire time. I think he proposed a year later, and then we had a year engagement. So, how did he propose? You guys want to hear that story? <laughs> he... Um, well, first of all, of course, he asked my parents' permission. He endured a long process of being
2: tortured <laughs> by her brothers and her dad.
1: My dad's an electrical engineer, and he literally had, like, electrical things that would... That's how I got in trouble. <laughs> 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 Is he had an electrical box with wires, and he would shock me?
2: It sounds terrible.
1: It does sound terrible. That was... that. Anyways, okay. So, he would get shocked. There would be poop in his... Thing, I mean, X-lax in his EGs, it was, it was a tough process. <laughs> and my family my family was super crazy. <laughs> um, so, then, so so then, and during that process, that was already awesome, right? I mean, he must have really loved me to endure that. Well, when he proposed, the way that it started was it was my 21st birthday, so I'm thinking all of this is my 21st birthday gifts, and he had sent to my house down in Tucson seven roses that were a certain color that said friendship. And then uh, there was a card with it that said go to the salon, and he paid for me to get my hair done, and then I came back from this. And then when I was at the salon, he had another seven roses that were delivered of a different color with a different word, and I want to say it was love. So it was like white first for friendship, and then it was uh, love something like that. I can't remember. I got back to the house, and then in my bathroom was a box from White House Black Market, if anybody knows that store, and he bought me an outfit, shoes, and jewelry, and it all fit amazing, and so he told me to get ready and be ready by six o'clock, let's say, and so I get ready, and on the I'm trying to think. Oh, I didn't get roses in the beginning. I didn't get the seven roses. When I was getting ready, there was that second set of roses, and it was seven. So this whole time I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's totally like honoring me for being for I mean, this is just how we did things. Like when he would come up to NAU and I would treat him on a date, I lived in the um the Yes, the dorm, the sorority dorm. And so I would make him a picnic out on the football field and I would like can. I mean, we were super just dating. So we just always did stuff like that. So I'm still thinking it's my 21st birthday. He tells me to be ready at a certain time. He shows up in a brand new suit and his dad borrowed part Porsche. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? This is a cool birthday. So then he takes me out to the restaurant he used to work at. And uh, they start taking us up the stairs onto the rooftop. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And on the table was another set of seven white roses that said Purity. And so at that point, I had 21 roses, and the poor thing, I'm starting to realize what's going on. Because now, granted, we've been talking about my ring. I mean, we knew we were getting married. I told him which one I wanted. I told him what store to go to and to take my dad and his dad. (laughs) So So I knew, but I didn't know if that was the moment, so it was still kind of weird, poor thing. He had ordered a steak, and he didn't eat a bite. I'm chowing down on my food, all relaxed, and he is like shaking and didn't eat anything. And so then finally, I think in the middle of dinner, he just got up and got down on one knee. And I think he went like this. <laughs> and I was like, yes. He didn't say anything. So then he gets up and he goes, oh, and he hugs me. <laughs> so then he sits back down and I went, do it again. <laughs> and I made, him, I made him talk to me. But isn't that, that's, that's a proposal. Now listen, there's more. We go down the stairs from the rooftop, and when we go downstairs... He had invited our whole family and all of our good friends downstairs celebrating with gifts and champagne and, and toasting. Of course, I'm 21, so this is cool. And they all knew what was going on, and they all yelled surprise. And so then we went, you know, we were taking pictures and stuff like that. And so that was, that was my proposal. So when I say that we have a father of the house that knows how to honor uh, women, this is what you look for when you're dating. That type of extravagance, that type of ownership, that type of that type of thought process to be so, he he could have put me out on the park and said, you ready to do this? Yes. <laughs> he didn't have to do that. I already had this. I was entitled to his love. It was unconditionally, we knew that this was happening, but he walked in such a way that Led to abundance and increase and voice and being able to trust and fullness and honor and glory. And look at all that. You were doing that all the way back then. So that's kind of how we met, and that is how uh, he proposed. There's a question. Go ahead. And then the last question was How does dad honor mom? Do you have anything of what you do to give practical advice on how to honor? What are some things you like? Do.
2: Open Doors. It's a big one. Some people get mad about that now. Uh, what?
1: <laughs> he stirs my medication at night. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I changed diapers when the kids were little.
1: I always had a man in a culture where men did not have to do anything because they worked. He worked and took care of the children. It was never a fight. I never had to worry about We were partners from day one, partners in all things. And the one thing that he carries is he is not in competition with me. He loves for me to be at the forefront, and he is secure that he is creating the foundation in the midst of mockery. When I was told, you're wearing the pants, he's a pansy. All right, we'll watch this pansy and man-wearing pants work because that ultimately, you would think Yeshua left. Right on earth, the mockery is your pansy. But he left and he empowered the bride to move forward. So he's always been okay with pushing me and pushing me out and creating that atmosphere and the foundation for me to shine and is not in competition with it and loves it.
2: Yeah. So if you do if you do what you see the father doing, why wouldn't you empower your bride, right? Like, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you expect that? So, yeah. But I mean, just practical things like opening the door, you know. I don't know. You guys
1: probably know more
2: stuff. Cooking, cleaning. I mean, like not all of it, but.
1: (laughs) Well, and he understands my love language. And this is where it gets a little bit difficult because he's a words guy and I'm not words and I'm acts of service and he's not acts of service. So working through those things of honor that how he loves, we've had to learn is different. I'm not hearing him. So the acts of service is what he, but here's what's cool. Most people will say, but that's not my love language. Find mine. But he didn't. He was willing to find my love language so I could hear it. That empowered me to then what? Want to respond and learn his love language, and I'm still learning. (laughs) Okay, Gabby, we're done.
4: So, part of this month is about it's lovingly referred to as a film strip month and when films are being produced there is a lot of stuff that's been produced and then it has an opportunity to be edited and there are even sometimes when an ending might be edited because it's not what the producer thought it was going to be. So tonight what I think is so cool is how many of you in one area of your life or more have found yourself on this believer side of things? Whew, I'm not alone. Okay. How many of you have a desire to be on this side of things, to get more than just the bare minimum? Well, part of this month being the film strip month is that you have the opportunity to change that. You can edit it. It's not like I'm here right now and I will forever be right here. No, you get to get the and you get to continue on and moving. We're not we are not where we will always be. Mom said, I didn't even know where I was however many years ago. Right? But now and and where you are right now, do you want to still be there in a tomorrow or a year from now? <laughs> right? So we are constantly growing and developing. And so we might find might find ourselves here not only in life but in this mentality of of a renter are we each month trading trading our rent money for something that we are receiving that's that trading floor Or can we make this step to the ownership where it is an investment and we are seeing that multiplication? Not only in our lives, which is huge, but also in how we trade. Do we want to trade? You might have rent be the same amount as a mortgage, but can you, in your mentality, can you get yourself to that trading floor where you're actually trading for something that is going to multiply? So that's the call right now as we engage in the trading floor, is for us to recognize maybe we've been here. Maybe that's where I've been in my trading, is just dollar for dollar, in, out. I trade so that I can, like, stop the devourer, but let's trade into something more where we can see that multiplication, because that's where that investment happens. And I hope I'm not in the same place now as I or tomorrow as I am now. I want to continuously grow that. So that's what we're engaging in tonight in the trading floor. Are you guys ready? Take out those phones, take out that cash, take out the check, whatever it looks like, and take advantage of an opportunity to to invest in something more, like practically engage in something that's going to launch you into that next. So Yahweh, we just thank you for this word that's been spoken today, that we have an opportunity to grow, that there is that opportunity for us to get the fullness and not just like receive, we can actually be in a position to trade and invest and multiply. And we just thank you for that. And we trust that that's what you're doing in our lives, in our finances, in our physical world that we live in right now as we invest in our hearts and financially. Thank you, Yahweh.
5: All right, we're not done yet. Um, Can I actually have everybody stand up? Do you guys mind? <laughs> See? Oh, and dad helps mom off off the floor. <laughs> Another way that he honors. <laughs> that might happen a lot when mom's out. <laughs> um, all right, so we just gave into the training floor. And what's amazing is one of the things that I was seeing in believer versus disciple um, was that whenever they read that uh, verse about the Great Commission, you know, where a dad was saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they said, we stop right there at believer, right? So, What disciple does is it continues, it finishes, it follows through into and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So what I saw in that, which we know about mom and dad, but there's such a finishing anointing. There's a follow through anointing. And I want us to be able to engage in this because we're going to give into their Israel trip. Okay. So what with the Israel trip what I was seeing in that is sewing into their finishing and follow through because Israel is a part of that process that they're going through. Israel is a part of their journey of following through, of finishing up, of getting in touch with their roots. I don't mean finish as in that's it because it's never it, right? But we know that finishing means completion. It means perfection. It means going all the way through, enduring finishing up, uh, recognizing all aspects, all points that we can possibly get to. And so Israel is a part of that. And so in that, we are going to sow into their finishing anointing um, and into the follow-through that they've given us. Because had they stopped at believer, so what I also heard in that is that um, you guys got bored at being believer, and you recognized your boredom. You recognized you were not content in being a believer, and you wanted more. And so you continued, you pursued, you pressed through, and you finished into discipleship, which then turned into multiplication, which then turned into all of this, okay? So we're going to sew into that in an honoring way. So Israel, the um, the uh, the treasure box is up here. It's marked Israel, and that's what we're going to sew into. So you guys can come up and sow your uh, gift into their Israel trip because... Um, had they stopped at Believer, we wouldn't even have, oh, my gosh, anything. <laughs> so um, and live, if you want to join in and you want to give into to uh, mom and dad's Israel trip or if you want to uh, give into the trading floor. So for the Israel trip, you're going to mark it as Israel, okay? If you text to give, mark it as Israel if you wanted to give to their Israel trip. Um, trading floor, you can mark it as trading floor. That number is 928-288-4547. Life, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you always engaging with our family. And, uh, Father, we just bless this offering. We bless this time. We thank you, Father, that we have parents that tie up the knots, that, um, that tie up loose ends, that finish, and they follow through, and they continue, and they endure, and they go on to the next, and they finish, and they go on to the next, and they finish. Father, we thank you that's our inheritance, and we bless them right now, and Yeshua's.
0: Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at Kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.
5: His name, Amen.